You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. Hour 2, Dan and the Dan Edge. Dan Patrick Show. We'll talk to the great golfer Brooks Kepka. He'll join us coming up a little bit. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk will join us a little bit later on as well. NFL schedule release will be Thursday night. And of course, you need three hours to have a schedule release party. And you're going to milk it as long as you can. The NFL Network and the mothership, and rightfully so. You already know who your team is going to be playing. You're not sure when they're playing these oppositions, but you know basically who you're playing. It's just a question of when you're playing them. When is it home? When is it away? But you have an idea of what your schedule is. And then you start to look at strength of schedule. This is always misleading because you can look back previous years and say, this team's got an easy schedule. These teams have tough schedules. It all changes. It all changes quickly in the NFL. There are going to be surprises. There are going to be teams where you go, I didn't see that coming. And there are going to be teams where you go, boy, they're not as good as we thought they were. Happens every year. And that's why when you look at strength of schedule, it's often misleading. I'm looking at uh, an analytics uh, writer with the mothership and uh, points out that the Colts will win the AFC South. Dallas is going to be a good team. Denver is going to be a playoff team. The Browns, I believe, are going to be a playoff team as well. The Buccaneers, a playoff team. So this is just, you know, people looking at the schedule and then projecting on what they think will happen this season. I mean, it's fun, but... You know, there's nothing attached to it. Like, nobody loses their job if they're wrong with their analytics here. Denver, Denver's, that's, that's interesting. You know, with Drew Locke, that's interesting. They, they got weapons. They're trying to replicate what the Kansas City Chiefs have. And the question is, is their quarterback able to stand tall and take that next step? Uh, the Colts winning the South, I'm not surprised at all. I think that's a great organization uh, Philip Rivers is not the ideal quarterback to come in for a one and done here, but he's an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. Uh, the Browns better make the playoffs and uh, my Cowboys. One of these years, I'm going to be right with the Cowboys. It's like for years, I love the Chargers. And then the year I said they have the most talent of any team in the AFC. And then they ended up losing to the Colts. And I went, or no, did they lose to the Colts that year? I forget, but they ended up losing in the postseason in the like second round, and I went, and there go my Chargers. I think they lost. They came east, didn't they, Paulie? They lost to the Patriots. Patriots, oh, right? Patriots. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, two years ago, your, uh, your Chargers were 12-4. and four. They were cruising. Yeah, thought they were the most talented team, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, nope, those are the Chargers. There are going to be a couple of teams where you go, and I'll be right with the Cowboys one of these years, where they go, they're, they're as talented as anybody in the NFC. Uh, Tampa Bay up there as well. That's good. It's interesting. All right. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle with show. I hope you got an opportunity to listen to the Patrick Ewing interview first hour. And if you don't, you can you can hear all the interviews from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Go to the DP Show app. But he was always a great mystery. He was an enigma. You know, he kind of hid behind that scowl, that game face. He didn't share much. And, and I certainly understand, you know, when he was growing up and how he was treated when he played uh, in high school. And, you know, he's a success story, but he just has a great personality. He really does. And I never knew it. Now, I, I would stick a microphone in his face at some of these 
you know, media sessions or a press conference or that was about it. But I remember you'd always hear this. You know, there's certain players or coaches where they'd say, hey, in private, you know, these Patriot players would say, oh, if you were around Belichick, man, you would love him. He has a sense of humor. And I go, okay, I'll never see that. And I was always told, hey, Patrick's really a funny guy. And I go, Patrick Ewing? And Mark Jackson would tell me that all the time. He goes, yeah, he, don't, he just doesn't want to show you. He, he doesn't want you to know. And I went, all right. And then when I sat down with him that time in San Antonio years ago, and I, I went, Mark's right. He's got a great personality. One thing I did not know, and it, it was painful for him to come on because he said it yesterday when I, I called him when I got off the show. And he said, I'll come on, but this isn't enjoyable talking about Michael Jordan. We lived it. You were entertained by it. We had to live it. And so we talked a little bit about that. But what came out of the interview that I did last hour was somebody broke into his house and stole his gold medals. This is years ago. So he he had 84 and 92 and somebody got, you know, they stole his Olympic gold medals. Now they, they got replacement medals for him. Jerry Colangelo went out and asked the IOC if they could have replacement medals. But still, it's not the medals that were put around his neck. And Paulie and I, when I got through with the interview and I came out on Paulie's side, and he goes, man, I am angry. I, can I have your permission to find out who, who stole those medals? I said, you have my blessing. Go get them. I, I may go Liam Neeson on these guys. I, I really want, this is truly upsetting to me. And I don't get that upset about anything. Yeah. How could you take Patrick Ewing's gold medals? I know. I think we should offer a reward. If you turn in the culprits, the thieves that stole Patrick Ewing's medals, I'll pay for you to fly out and see this show. I'll make you a Dan Ed for a day. Yeah, and I'll, I'll pay the uh, plane trip in the hotel. Yeah. We'll, we'll put you up. We'll have a meet Friday, but we need to know who stole Patrick Ewing's gold medal. And Coach Ewing will call in on that day. Yeah. I that would be a good show. That would be nice. That would be... Yeah, you would think that would be the least he could do if we got his gold medals back. All you narcs out there, yeah. turn somebody yeah. in. Yeah, if you ever wanted to turn somebody in, now's your chance. This is the right reason. Yes. I would turn in my, my sister if she had Patrick Ewing's medals. I'm not even kidding. What's the poll question today, McLovin? All right, we went with the greatest center poll. If you could start a team with any center after 1985, who would it be? Shaq is winning over Akeem Olajuwon and Patrick Ewing. And no, then I Robinson. get that. I get that. Really? I was surprised that it, it was I mean, Olajuwon. I would take Olajuwon. I, I would take Elijah one, but that's just because I, I love his game. I love Shaq, but I, I loved Elijah one's game. I, when you have a big man who, who has like a smaller, like a point guard's ability with his footwork, I mean, he, playing soccer really helped Elijah one. And he could take you outside and hit that, you know, foul line extended jumper. And he was just, and he's a wonderful person too. Not that that factors in, but, you know, he, I, I thought he got kind of lost in the centers. He, he did win two titles, and yes, there's an asterisk by it if you want to place it there because Mike wasn't there. I think the Rockets would have went toe-to-toe and could have beaten the uh, Chicago Bulls. I don't look at this as a foregone conclusion. You know, you have all of this, and it's not revisionist history because I think the Rockets are a little sensitive to it than when people say, yo, those are the two years Jordan didn't play. Rockets were a great team. They, they truly were. Now we get this conversation of how many points would Jordan average in today's NBA? And I saw where Jalen Rose, who played against Mike, said he'd average 47 and a half. Now, I think, is that based off Mike averaging 37 and a half one year 
I think that might have been the most he averaged in a single season. I, I think it was 37.1, but that season he shot 37. You can't really factor threes into it because he didn't take threes. I mean, he took about a dozen threes that season. Well, no, the point is Michael would have more access to get to the hoop in today's game. He he might not take as many threes as, as you would expect. He would have, if you think James Harden goes to the line, Mike's going to the line probably 12 to 15 times a night. Now, I don't know how long, how sustainable that's going to be. But if you said Michael in today's NBA, how many points is he going to average? First of all, they give you the uh, 18-footer. 15 to 18 feet, they give that to you. I mean, Durant's made a career out of 15 to 18 feet. Now you're giving that to Michael. And I'm going to get, there's no rim protectors. I mean, who do you have? Clint Capella? Like, who, who's your rim protector there? One of the Lopez brothers? So now I got I got Michael who has free access. He's got the HOV lane to go to the hoop. And if I say go out and score, and nobody you can nobody fouls. There's no hard fouls now. Michael would average probably. And Phil Jackson said this a couple of years ago when he was on the show. He said he would average over forty a game. Now I could see that. I mean that's not a big leap. Michael in his prime. If I said Mike in 1991, go out there, let's see what you do for a season. Playing in today's rules, can't put your hand on him. Go back and watch the video. When you watch the documentary, watch the physicality that was played back then in the 90s and the 80s. It was just different basketball. Now you can't put your hand on Mike. And you're going to give him a 15, 18-footer, and you're going to let him go to the hoop, and he's going to get fouled an awful lot. And then you you throw in maybe you know he adds more three pointers, three point attempts. Mike's going to average low forties probably. I don't, and I, that's not a stretch at all. And that's not one of those boy in my day. I remember it's just I'm looking at the facts here of how Michael played. Nobody guards. Who's guarding Jordan? How can you guard Jordan? I mean Mario Ellie is not coming out of retirement to guard Mike or Gerald Wilkins. Mike would average whatever Mike wanted to average. Now, would he average 50 like Wilt did? No, he would not. Just different back then. Mike would have to earn it, and but being a great athlete, I mean, that's what happens. You just get tired. Every single night, Allen Iverson had to bring it, and I love that. The, the great scorers have to bring it every single night, and Mike brought it every single night. So if he averaged 42, 43, absolutely. 47 and a half, maybe not. But Mike could do what he wanted to do, I think, scoring-wise. Yeah, see. It'd be interesting if Mike did play now, though, and he was actually a worse player because he took so many threes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he was so good because he was always going to the hoop or he had that mid-range jumper. But imagine that, just the freedom to just keep firing up threes and then his percentage went down and then he actually wasn't that good. Right. He would be called Airball Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Don't tell Mike I said that. Oh. He'll be mad. Yes, McLovin. Would he want to be like James Harden and run the team, or would he want to be a warrior and be like part of a dream team well, like a, it, or a good team? Well, it depends on if it's if the early part of his career, he was James Harden, and then he realized, I got to win championships. Uh, so knowing what he knows now, he, would, he could be a, a, a statistical anomaly, or he could – I don't think he's averaging 44 a game and they're going to be winning championships. I, I think if he's averaging 34 a game, they're winning championships because he would he would build a good team around him. I think that would be 
important to Mike. Knowing what he knows now of what those championships did for his legacy, then yes, he would. I don't know if he would go with one average 44, 45 a game. He, would, he could do it, but I don't know if it would be to the detriment of the team. Yeah, Todd. When exactly did things change? Was it because of the bad boys where now we've got these flagrant ones and flagrant twos where they can beat the crap out of each other in the 80s and 90s and now you can't touch each other at all? Was there a specific moment or team? Well, the bad boys didn't help. Uh, the Knicks didn't help. And Cleveland Cavaliers didn't help. Um, you got Chuck Daly's team. You got Pat Riley's team and Mike Fratello's team. You know, they nearly, the Knicks nearly ruined basketball with that style. I mean, it's the brilliance of Pat Riley that he could have a different style than Showtime to what he had with Greco-Roman wrestling with the Knicks. But yeah, they allowed the physicality. And I never understood that. Uh, it, it's like hockey. I remember, this is years ago, talking to Wayne Gretzky. And I said, how would you do in today's NHL? And he goes, I would struggle to get 50 goals in a season. Now, Wayne, of course, you know, he, he would not play up his abilities and, and he would probably do better than that. But he said they don't, the rules don't allow for the great players to be great. You know, there's no free flowing movement there. And uh, he said, you know, that hurts hockey because you'll watch and you'll go, I don't know who's great because we don't allow them to be great. We allow people who have lesser ability to be able to dictate the style of the sport. And I'm paraphrasing him, but basketball was the same way. All of a sudden, Anthony Mason is going to have an impact. Uh, these, these physical guys. And that's not what basketball, that's not how basketball was meant to be played. Yeah, Paul. The, the byproduct, and you talked about this a long time ago, Dan, on the show, is that scoring went down in the NBA. And that really hurt with fans. 86-87 season, the average NBA team scored 110 points exactly per game. A decade later, it was 91.6. Yeah. It went from 110 to 91 in 12 years. And then if you go back to last year, 111 points per game is the average NBA team scores. That's the most in 35 years. There's just more freedom. You're spreading the floor. And if I spread the floor to allow Jordan to, I mean, it's not fair. It, it wouldn't be fair that if you spread the floor and then you gave Michael the ball at the top of the key and you don't have a Shaq down there, you don't have a Ewing down there. I mean, like you don't have a menacing big man down there. He's just going, he's going to take it and take it and take it and take it. Yeah, Paul. We talked about the Steph Curry effect uh, about four years ago when Steph was the MVP, the 15-16 season. NBA teams averaged 102 points per game. Now it's up to 111. Yeah. That's only four years ago. I mean, it's commonplace to have games that are in the 120s. There were times when I remember doing highlights and it would be 90 to 86. And you'd be like, God, this is bad basketball. It was. It was just... It was just two big heavyweights leaning on each other. And it wasn't, it wasn't fluid. It wasn't good basketball. Yeah, McClellan. What if he did like Harden and did all the flopping around the three-point line, though, and he shot 27 free throws a game? That would be terrible. You know how Harden just stands up there and gets a foul? I don't remember Michael flailing. You know, when you think about it, I don't remember him. I think when he got contact, it was real contact. There'd be times when guys would drive down the lane, you know, the stars, and then you'd just hear and one, and I'd go, who? And guys would look around and go, who's the foul on? And then it looked like the official was just saying, hey, sorry, I got I to gotta give you a foul here. Hey, I didn't foul. I know, but that's Michael Jordan. That's, that's Larry Bird. I, I'm sorry, I got I to gotta give you a foul here. Yeah, Paul. Just to put it in perspective, uh, three points attempted per t game per team. So, like, how many times a team attempts a three per game? When Michael Jordan was a rookie... Teams average 3.1 a 
attempts per game. What do you think it was last year? Three point oh three pointer per attempts. Team. Yeah. So like the average team goes out. The average team, not the Rockets, the average team attempts how many threes per game? Again, uh thirty years ago it was three. I'm gonna go twenty three. You're way low. It's thirty four attempts per game. For each team. Yes. And it's going up and up and up. Four years ago, it was 24. Now it's 34. Eventually, it will change. Eventually, it will change. It, it will. Somebody uh, will have a different philosophy. I still maintain that one day somebody's going to say, hey, you know what? Deal with our, our big men. You know, we're going we're gonna to dominate here. And then, then you're going to have to play defense. Then you have to put bigger players on the floor. Like, it, it's, it's going to, something will change. It, it does, you know, all these sports, hey, I've figured it out. And then somebody figures it out. It, it's a game of chess. And then they figured it out. Now you change it. I don't know if we continue to do basketball, three-point shooting basketball like this. In 10 years from now, when we look back, I might go, man, I was a fool. But I think you're going to have a team that will be counterintuitive to what, you know, the game plan is. And that might change basketball. Another player might change basketball because of that. Just like Steph Curry did. Yeah, Paul. Another interesting stat, uh, three-point shooting percentage has not changed in 30 years. It's always anywhere from 33 to 35% uh, by team. It's 35, 25 years ago, it was 35%. It's still 35%. I find that really interesting because we, we think we have better shooters now. We have more shooters, more three-pointers attempted. Not necessarily better shooters, just the volume there. We'll take a break. Mike Tyson's talking about a comeback. Seriously, have that for you. Also, we'll check in with Brooks Kepka, see how he's doing during these quarantine times. And uh, Mike Florio will join us in an hour from now to talk about the schedule release with the NFL. 19 after the hour, this is the Dan Patrick Show. Discover makes it quick and easy and free. Yeah, I said free, and it's quick and easy. Well, what do you get? Check your credit. Discover's now offering the FICO credit scores. It's used by 90% of top lenders and doing so for free. Even if you're not a customer, checking your score won't hurt your credit, and you can check each month for changes. The Discover Credit Scorecard, it's free for everyone. You're always checking things. Why not check something that can affect your life? Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Get to your phone calls coming up. So are Brooks Kepka recently donated uh, $100,000 to his foundation that will go directly to the Community Foundation's COVID-19 Response Fund for Palm Beach and Martin Counties. And uh, Brooks Kepka, who I believe just turned 30 a couple of days ago, joins us on the program. Hey, good morning, Brooks. How are you? Good morning. How's everything going? I'm doing okay. What'd you do for your 30th birthday? Uh, just hung out of the house. Um, and just relaxed here, um, celebrated, and um, you know, just trying to make the best of a, of a bad situation. I heard that you uh, you went alcohol free for uh, a little while. Yeah, I did. I did. I went 30 days. It didn't go 31, so no chance. It was. Uh, <laughs> how was it was very tempting how was 31 oh <laughs> uh, 31 hurt I did not, it felt like yesterday <laughs> what's your go-to make a little ultra 
I like Michael Ultra. It's good, man. It's uh, it's nice. Um, it's it, it's perfect, especially down here, man. It's warm. It's fun. Perfect for the pool. I why is it I play? I play. Whoa. Dog's going nuts. What kind of dog you got? I got a black lab. Oh my God. Barking. She's uh, <laughs> Jenna's, Jenna's taking her out now. <laughs> That's that scared me there. Uh, I why is it I play better when I've had a couple of beers when I'm playing golf? Ah, uh, it's it's so funny. Everybody just gets so relaxed, and it feels, um, you know, they're not afraid to screw up anymore. It's amazing. You watch guys. It's literally there's that right zone that you got to be in. <laughs> yeah, you, you can get overserved a little bit too much, and yeah. then. Then it's not very good, um, and then your game goes to crap. But um, there's there's a right amount. You got to find that perfect amount for you. There is a fine line where it's like darts or bowling, where you go, man, I'm killing it, and then you have that next beer, and you go, oh, I'm getting killed. I'm not any yeah. good at this. Yeah, that's way I it's am. A, with it's golf. amazing. Every, I mean, you watch it every amateur, and then you know, especially like the pro am. Sometimes the guys are so nervous when they're playing with us. You're like, uh, I mean, I know it's early, but you want to. You want to have a drink and, uh, you know, help loosen them up. It makes it fun. Have you ever played in a pro-am where the amateur was playing better than you? Uh, I don't think so. But I had to think about it, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Do you ever have bets with people where – because what what would you be, a plus seven, plus six? I, I guess, yeah, if you put it in that somewhere around there. Um, yeah, well, I'll bet, I'll bet the guys every once in a while and see what they've got. Um, it's fun, man. You watch them, you watch them get a little nervous and, um, you know, cause they're obviously, it's fun for them. They're taking it really, really seriously. Um, as they should. I mean, I, I would, if I was in that situation and yeah, you know, they try to, they try to take some dollars off us. Yeah. But you, you appear to be at like stealth with your trash talk. Like I, you don't strike me as outwardly, but it feels like you could be pretty good with just a side little jab there. How would you yeah. rate your game? Um, yeah, I mean, I like my trash talking skills. I like that pretty good. When you played against I'll do it, Jordan. I'll do it kind of just as I walk by a little bit, you know, so you don't get to see me or really say anything back. You can't, you can't do anything. Like just a whisper? Yeah, just enough where, you know, I'm walked by and I'm like, oh, he definitely heard me. But he might, <laughs> might have, you know, you're not really sure. <laughs> when you played with Jordan. Trash talk? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, you have to. Why not? And then he shut me up pretty quick. I think that that was four or five years ago when Wait, we did that. How does he shut you up? Uh, we were playing. Um, we were playing at Old Palm, I think, down here in Florida. Yeah. Um, MJ, he was up. Um, uh, he was up on me a little bit earlier than I got up on him finally and turned the tables. And then we're on 16 um, or we're walking on 17 T and you know, I'm giving him shots on 17 and 18. And uh, I forget what I said. I said something to him and he, and he teased the ball up. He takes a practice swing and he goes, it's fourth quarter, baby. I don't lose. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, here we go. This is, this is the MJ I remember. Um, and then uh, obviously goes on to win 17. Um uh, and then uh, he just kind of looked at me on 18T and then 18 green. I think he shook, he shook my hand and wanted to know where my, where my wallet was at. <laughs> but is Tiger, are there parallels with that competitiveness with Tiger and Mike? Uh, I think so. I think there is. I think you look at it with 
every great athlete that's ever come across their sport. Um, and I mean, we're talking the best of the best and that competitiveness is, is there. It doesn't matter if they're playing cards, um, ping pong, golf, basketball, whatever it is, they, they just can't, they refuse to lose. Now you strike me as a guy that needs action. Like golf would be boring it, for a guy like you. Like you played basketball. Is golf boring to you? Uh, I think I think it just gets because it, it. When I say it's boring, I've said it's boring. It just takes a very very long time to complete, and that to me is where I need the action, the excitement. Yeah, you hit a great shot, but then you still got five <laughs> minutes before you walk up to go tap it in for birdie. So it's like a five minute like dull period of you know you don't know what the other guy's doing too. You could be making a mess of the hole, searching for balls, and um, you know I just need that constant action um, more. More probably more than other guys. How, how often do you play basketball? Ah, uh, I don't know. We we were messing around in the pool yesterday or was it two days ago, just shooting around. Uh, but now I haven't I haven't touched rim in, in a long time. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> could you dunk? I could. I remember. Um, I forget where it was. It was a couple of years ago, maybe two three years ago. We were in like a LA Fitness and. Uh, you know, those gyms are so packed, but it was late at night, so I just grabbed the ball, went in there, and, and threw down twice, I think. But <laughs> that was about, and, then, and then I was like, I'm walking out of here. I'm done. Wait, was it a rub dunk where you just just get it over the rim? Yeah, there, there were a couple of attempts before it okay. where it was very, very close, and then uh, – <laughs> it, made, it, made, it made it quite interesting. That's for hey, sure. all you did, you left him with a, an image, and that's all you need. It's just, hey, exactly. Kepka was here and he was dunking. Now, yeah, it, exactly. All, all it takes is one person to see it. Yeah. Uh, the next next event you're playing in is what? Whatever the first week back is. Um, it's supposed to be Colonial right now, which I think is the week of June 8th, I believe, right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, whenever that, whenever that first tournament is, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be ready. Um, it's just exciting just to have something to look forward to. I think that was, that was what was killing everybody is the unknown. You know, you're sitting there. Okay. You're trying to train, you're trying to do everything, um, you know, the best you can, um, you know, don't have weights here. Um, had to go get some, um, you just, you're not used to doing the things that you're used to doing. So just to have something back now where it's okay, we can, you can get back into the into the swing of things and start looking forward to to playing golf again and competitively. Because it's one thing to just go play with your boys, and then it's a complete another thing to actually go out and go tee it up in a real thing. How do you think the uh, pandemic is going to affect golf, though, when you come back? It's going to be interesting. I think um, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting when the fans come back. Obviously, look as as an athlete, nobody wants to be playing. Um, just without fans. Yeah. It's it's what creates the energy. But I think now looking at it, it's going to be interesting how close they're going to be able to let fans. Um, because golf, I mean, if you've ever been to Augusta, I mean, you can stand on those tee boxes and you can pretty much reach out and grab the guy um, as he's swinging. You can get pretty close to us. And I, you just wonder how, how weird it is going to be going forward. Um, you know, whether they're going to be pushed back um, further, you know, you look at like an NBA or baseball, do they redo the seating a little bit? Um, you know, you, you never know um, what's going to happen, but hopefully, and hopefully we just get fans. I mean, that's where the energy is. That's what makes it fun. And who doesn't love 
you know, hitting like a crowd pleaser and, and everybody goes nuts. I had the commissioner on a couple of weeks ago and I said, why don't you, I, and I brought this up to uh, Bubba Watson. I said, why don't you guys just carry your own bags? That, that way I take the caddy out of this. So even more social distancing, like, let's see who can carry their own sticks. And uh, what do you think? It'd be interesting. I think, uh, it actually be a lot of fun just to watch some of these guys attempt to carry their own bag. I don't think some of them have ever picked up their bag in their life. <laughs> um, Who wouldn't it, make it, would be, it? It would be fun. Who wouldn't make it 18 holes carrying their own bag? Uh, who wouldn't make it 18 carrying the bag? Um, I don't know. I actually don't think Bubba would. <laughs> Bubba would be complaining how heavy the bag is the entire time. I love the guy, but there's no way he makes it around 18 with that bag. Isn't he always complaining about something? Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. He's a good dude. He's a good dude deep down. You just got to get to know him. What do you think uh, Thanksgiving's going to be like at Augusta? Uh, it's going to be way different. I don't think anybody know even what to expect. It's going to be so cold. Um, it's going to be – It's ball's not going to be flying far. Um is it overseeded? What are they going to do? Um, is there actually going to be rough? <sighs> Those holes are going to play long. The wind direction, I think, switches. I, I don't know that for a fact, but somebody told me that um, a couple weeks ago. Um, it's Every par five basically plays into the wind, uh, from what I was told. So it's going to change the golf course. I think you'll see scores around even par instead of that 12, 15 under um, that you're – you've been accustomed to. And I think it could really affect that back nine. Um, and you see, obviously 11 is hard. 12, there's plenty of water balls. Um, 13, you might not be able to get there anymore. And 15, being the part five, you know, it might not be as exciting as a finish. I was able to play Augusta a couple of times. And I, I came back and told my friends, I said, you know what's weird is you stand on 12 and you're playing 12 just like everybody plays 12. I'm playing at the same yardage that you are. And you stand there and you go, when you watch on TV, you go, why is that a big deal? And then you get there on 12 and you go, 11 pin, I'm looking at the flag. Uh, 13 tee box, the trees, I'm looking at the how they're blowing. Like you, you factor in, it's sensory overload there with a shot that's what, 149 or something like that. And, it, and it's like you, you get demons in your head. What, what do you think when you get to 12? You try to think as little as possible. <laughs> you got, I'll never forget like last year when I hit in the water on, um, on Sunday, it's interesting because I actually backed off the shot before, Ooh. um, before I went in, uh, because you felt the wind direction, you know, I think it was just supposed to be a little bit in and maybe out of the right and, or no, it's supposed to be in off the left. And I felt they go in off the right. So it just kind of confuses you a little bit. And then all of a sudden you back off and then I look over 11 pin, like you said, and now it's going downwind and you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, Come on. And then, you know, you look up at the trees and 13 and they're going sideways and then it doesn't feel like there's anything. It's just, you got to hit it at the right time and get quite lucky to be honest with you. It's, um, it's interesting. And then on top of that, you got everybody hooting and hollering when it goes in the water and, it's just it could be it could be a really great tee box if you hit the green, and it is miserable when you got to walk another hundred yards in front of you and drop. And those fans are right on you. 
I mean, they, the, the holes are so compacted. I mean, I mean, they're there. They're right there as if they're walking with you. They're carrying your bag. I mean, they're so close to you. What kind of grief did they give you on 12 on Sunday? Uh, I just remember <laughs> – I remember actually laughing. I heard some guy just clear his throat um, a couple times. <laughs> what is it to say just, you were choking? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, wow. You could hear a couple. You could hear a couple of them. It, it, I mean, I don't <laughs> listen. We get paid to put up with that stuff. It's fine. Um, but I, I actually enjoy it. You know, the more, uh, the more you know, when, this, when the fans get into it and they they chirp. I mean, it's fun. I would do the same thing if I was out there watching. Do they make you laugh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to. I won't respond to. I usually don't respond to it unless it's it's quite funny. Um, I'll engage with them, but other than that, uh, you know, I try to try to keep it to a minimum because <laughs> you never know what's going to come out. Uh, Brooks recently donated one hundred thousand dollars to the Brooks Kepka Foundation that will go directly to Community Foundations COVID nineteen response fund for Palm Beach and uh, Martin counties. Hair looks good. Looks nice and tight there on the sides. Your uh, girlfriend do the honors there. Yeah, yeah, it's coming back. It's coming back. See, uh, I think you should go, yeah. go mullet. Uh, well, for a while, I wasn't sure if I was going to have anything, man. I, I didn't know what was going to. Uh, I mean, this side you could still see a little. There's like a little <laughs> gash, or I don't know what you want to call that. Um, it's like a, a vanilla ice where he had the lightning bolt in the side of his. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we should, actually that would have been a great little cover up too. Just start throwing those uh, those stripes on the side. You can still do it. You got a little time before you're getting out of the house. There. <laughs> I'll pass. I'll pass at this point. Hey, it's always great. Just to, looking for any to go back. Always great to talk to you, Brooks. We appreciate the time, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in June. Yep, you got it. Thanks, Scott. All right, appreciate. we'll take a break here. Well, your phone call is coming up. We'll update our uh, poll question after this, and Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk coming up here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, and you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR, or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. It's been a fun show. I always love talking to Patrick Ewing, and Brooks Kepka, I think, is a sneaky good interview. I remember when people were talking, we, you know, we, we were um, asking about, hey, what about Brooks Kepka? And, you know, people said, well, I, you know, he doesn't do many interviews. And this is a couple of years ago. And I said to Fritzy, I said, let's just try it. It looks like he's one of those guys that's got a personality, probably doesn't share it just by the way, his, his demeanor on the course. And then he started to win. And he's got four majors. And then that first time we had him on, he was fun, made fun of the Smedium shirts that he wears and you know, got a sneaky sense of humor. It's, uh, it's good to have him on. I got this Mike Tyson story. Let me get to John in New Zealand. Hey, John, good to have you back. How are you? Good day, Dan. Dan Nitz. Shout out to all the backroom boys, Mario and the crew. Uh, Dan, I think I may just have been listening to you guys for too long because Paulie said that he would gladly turn in his sister if she had Patrick Ewing's medals. Yeah. And immediately I thought, well, that's because he can't turn in his dad because his dad's dead. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Where's that from? Well, John, from all the way from New Zealand, and you take a shot at Paulie. <laughs> well, all I can say, Paulie must be proud of me. I, I, I don't, I'm not even sure that makes thinks. sense, John. I, I'm not even sure where the bit is there. Just, <laughs> quite aware my dad's dead. Wow. wow. You have been listening too long, John. 
<laughs> and my dad was alive, and he stole Patrick Ewing's medals. I would have turned his ass in. I love Patrick Ewing. <laughs> no offense, Dad. Thank you, John. That's uh, John in New Zealand with a shot at Paul. I I normally don't feel bad for you, Paul, but I in that situation I did. Yeah. I just didn't know where the analogy was. He's like, yeah, you're turning your sister because your dad's not like, well, my mom's still alive. You could have made the same joke and used my mom. She's perfectly fine. Yes. Well, you know, when we had the director on from The Last Dance and he was talking about how, well, you know, the, the episode, the toughest question was definitely asking Michael Jordan about his father dying. And all of that stuff. And, you know, it's just so difficult to, you know, ask people those types of questions. All I could think of was how that was like one of my favorite bits we have going is <laughs> whose dad is dead. <laughs> it's like one of the funniest things. That the, this show, the show leads the league in dad dead humor <laughs> with Fritzy and, and Paulie and myself. Uh, yeah. At some point, Andrew's going to be like, well, I don't know. I'll call my dad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yes, yes, McLovin. By the way, John in New Zealand, he might be the nicest guy I've ever <laughs> met in person in my life. Oh, he's That's a the sweet, funny thing. He's a sweetheart. That's why I went, John from New Zealand is going to do this to Paulie? Man. We had to take, a, 20, had to take a 27-hour flight to kick his ass. I don't know if you saw this training clip of Mike Tyson recently. It went viral. I guess um, he might try to come back and do some fighting. He's 53 years of age. Um. I, I guess it's a good time to come back. I have no idea. Uh, the a trainer, I don't know if this is his trainer, said, uh, I didn't know what to expect. Rafael Cordero, he hasn't hit mitts for almost 10 years, so I didn't expect to see what I saw. I saw a guy with the same speed, same power as a guy 21, 22 years old. Um, hmm. All right. Well, I mean, if George Foreman did it at, what, 48, um, the trainer says it's not a joke. I believe Mike could fight. Um, I don't know what to tell. I don't know what I can tell you if he wants to do something in the future. We'll be ready for that 100%. His next session is scheduled for today. Could you imagine a third fight with Evander Holyfield, according to the trainer? No, no, no. I'm not that desperate. I, I'm not that desperate for live sports there. But look, it's good to see Mike, you know, hitting the mitts, hitting the speed bag, because he it looks like he needs to get in shape a little bit. He still has that power. Can he, how long can he, you know, boxing, you can tell, you go, oh, those are three-minute rounds. Those aren't a big deal. Try it. Try a couple of them and throw punches. And then have somebody throw punches at you and you go, I'm winded. It's only been two rounds. Mike, the endurance part of this. Now, I don't know if you're going to have, you know, geezer division where you got guys over 50 leaning on each other. But Tyson wants to get in and he, you know, gets the black trunks and the black high tops. Come on in. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, Paul. I was going to say, Dan, I think you're in the minority. I, I'd already, I'd prepay for that fight today. Oh, God. If you told me that it would be competitive, like they, they wouldn't embarrass themselves, then yeah, then I'd be fine. I just don't want him to get in there and all of a sudden they're just, they're gassed. They're leaning on each other. And, and haven't we, haven't we turned the corner with the heavyweight division? Don't we have a little bit more of substance there with the heavyweight division? How about Mike Tyson versus Tyson Fury? <laughs> no, that wouldn't go well.
Mike would have to get a certain opponent, a specific opponent. It'd have to be somebody who basically was a tomato can. Because that's what Mike, Mike had his career built on that. Don King did a wonderful job in creating this image, this superhero. We had not seen anything like this. The punching power. You, have, you know, people actually debate how would Mike Tyson do against Muhammad Ali. I mean, that's embarrassing if you know boxing and you're actually debating. You know, LeBron and Michael, you might not think that's close. Tyson and Ali, not even in the same ring, not even in the same building, not even in the same stratosphere. Ali, with his size and his reach, it would not be fair. That's why Mike didn't want to fight Lennox Lewis. And Ali could take a punch. Mike couldn't, you know, Buster Douglas gave him trouble. If you had height and had reach on Mike and you made him go past three rounds, he had to box, and that's where Mike ran into trouble. Plain and simple. Evander Holyfield, you'd think, wouldn't be able to last. But he did because he outboxed him. He frustrated Mike so much he bit his ear off, part of his ear. Ali would frustrate Mike so much. Go back and look at the young Ali. Man, man. He was so brilliant. So brilliant. And and that ability to have that kind of footwork, that speed, uh, and talk a game. I mean, he would be in Mike's ear. Well, not in his ear but he would be he'd let mike know but no that that that, that would not there, there's no debate there mike was a wonderful he was a phenomenon and that was 1986 i think on the cover of sports illustrated and that next week is the first time i met mike tyson in the catskills and he was raw as raw can be had he had no there was no charm. There was no. Now, we've since had him on, and he's got a wonderful personality. But back then, he was all business. And he was rough around the edges. But if he wants to come back and somebody wants to fight him at the age of 53, and well, they'll sanction anything now. <laughs> they can probably get that to happen. Mike Florio joins us coming up. Talk some football with him after this.